This is Solid Foundation Ministries with Dr. Pierre Couvert, building solid foundations through sound Bible teaching. Welcome back to Solid Foundation Ministries. Today I want to talk about the greatest need for America. Remember, our nation was founded on biblical principles. Although James Madison was the one who actually penned the Bill of Rights, he did so because he needed the support of the Baptists of Virginia to get the Constitution ratified. Four times in our history there have been what has been called a Great Awakening. The first two were important to the forming of the principles upon which our great nation was founded. The first was in the 1730s and 40s. It caused a hunger in the people of the colonies for the Word of God. The second one was from 1790 to about 1840. This spread the gospel and biblical principles across the land. I would question putting great before the last two because they didn't have much effect on our nation. If we're ever going to see America great again, it won't be through the efforts of Donald Trump. He will only be able to improve the secular issues. America is failing because it has turned its back on God and the precepts of His Word. Some of you have listened to Tom Wallace on Fortress of Faith. He is my son-in-law, and he recently had two broadcasts defining what a great awakening is, what it requires, and what the spiritual cost will be for us. And I want to play them for you. So here we go. Welcome back to the Corner of Truth and Courage. You're listening to Fortress of Faith. This is Tom Wallace. I have been saying for now better part of 15 years, came back to my home land after being a missionary for a number of years and burdened for my home country, my home nation, began to see that God is bringing judgment upon our land. God will not turn a blind eye to our sin. In America, you're not too big to fail. We cannot just do what we want and think God will simply bless it because we're mighty America. How foolish to think such things. But sadly, I think most of us do. We think that, um, you know, that God's silence is his approval. No, uh, we've been missing the signs. He's not silent. He is trying to, to get our attention. Our country is heading into a disaster. And we see it. We know it and we refuse to do anything about it. What our country needs is revival, an awakening revival. And I want to talk about that subject here today, and maybe over the next few weeks we'll cut into this uh, subject from time to time because I believe we need a better understanding of revival. I don't think anyone in our society of our day really can say that they have experienced an awakening revival. When I, when I say the word awakening, it's a term that is often used when there is a moving of God, when God steps down and the Holy Spirit revival breaks loose. And it not it's not just experienced by a certain assembly or in a certain town. It's like a fire that ignites and burns and and uh, and continues to grow and consume other 
uh, locations and it uh, and it continues and it uh, consumes the hearts and souls of man in such ways that um, uh, that you know that they have been taken over by God. Oh, how we need a revival like this! Our country is crying out for it so desperately, and the good news is that it can happen. It is within our reach. I love what Leonard Ravenhill said uh, almost 30, 40, 50 years ago now. I'm not sure exactly when he actually said it, but it's been a long time. And he said that it's the reason we do not have revival is that we're content to live without it. Think about that for a moment. Because I think what he said is so, so true. The reason we do not have revival is that we're content to live without it. And and I think that revival is within our reach. I've, I've spoken on this. I've studied this. If there's another subject, perhaps, that I have poured many hours of reading, and praying, and studying, it's in the subject of revival. I have such a heart, a passion for it. And the, and the reason why I speak about Islam, the reason why I started speaking about Islam is because I believe that's one of the instruments that God is raising up to bring judgment upon our land, a judgment that will not um, uh, win, that will not recuperate from, that will not be able to fight. Um, it's well entrenched. It's well um, skilled to bring down our nation. It has 1,400 years of history of doing that in any nation that does not resist the ideologies and teachings of Islam loses their freedom and loses their faith. And there are other instruments that God is raising up here to topple us and bring us to our end. And that is uh, Marxism and, 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 and that poisonous uh, doctrines that has been, you know, uh, digested by our children, by our, Youth, I, I just read something. Uh, I don't know who said it uh, exactly. Uh, they quoted the person, but I, I didn't recognize his name. But it uh, was referring to the days of the Romans. It says, when you send your children to Caesar to be educated, don't be surprised when they come back as Romans. And is that not what we're experiencing with our young people today when they come back from our colleges today because they've been taken over by Marxists? Don't be surprised when they come back as as a communist or socialist socialist uh, marx taught that socialism is the logical step out of capitalism and that is socialism and uh, and, and this is what our kids are being taught and educated to believe and and are espousing and we shouldn't be surprised and but you know all these doctrines and all these ideologies are growing within our country which is poisonous to the constitution that that we live behind and uh and, and if we allow it to continue to uh blossom the teachings of 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 islam and marxism it will take uh, us away from our constitution and we will lose our country we will this is judgment that is coming and there'll be other calamities that God will raise up, no doubt. But what we need, let me try to be clear on this. We need a revival. We need a an awakening, a Holy Ghost revival like the ones that we've read of yesteryear, 
of the great awakenings of um Whitfield and Wesley and and Edwards and and of the second great awakenings of of Finney and and so on there where where God's hand just uh, where God steps down the revivals that we read of over in the British Isles of of uh, Ewan Roberts there in South Wales and also up in the Hebrides up in Scotland of um, of Duncan of, of Campbell and in the moving of the Spirit and they often use this word an awakening an awakening. What do they mean by that? If we don't understand it, I mean, we can kind of fumble our way into it and kind of experience it without really realizing what it is and discover it. But I believe it's far better to kind of have a knowledge of what it is so that we can pray for it and seek for it um, with uh, uh, with knowledge and intent and desire but let's be clear revival only comes through the doorway of repentance there must be a repentance that occurs and it it comes because of an awakening if there is no revival sorry if there is revival without repentance then you do not have a Holy Ghost revival and awakening. You have something else. It might be a renewal. It might be a, you know, a deeper dedication and a passion for God. And, 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 and there might be a renewal in, in people's lives and stuff there. But that's not what, what I'm talking about. What, what we so desperately need. What we so desperately need is an awakening like we heard of in the past. Let's look at Isaiah the prophet the prophet isaiah experienced an awakening and it fits with the very same revivals and things that they discovered what they said was the awakening that they experienced i want to go to isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 3 here we have the prophet and and he sees a vision of god he is awakened to the holiness of god In verses 1 through 3, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and above it stood the seraphims. Each Each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory so the very first thing that you know that we come to in what i believe was isaiah's awakening is he saw the holiness and the greatness of god when you examine the testimonies of these revivals you'll see these things being uttered by those who experienced them let me quote to you from Duncan Campbell, a revival that I've done a great deal of research on and studying. And the first thing that that Duncan Campbell said, he said this, and I quote, first of all, of course, it was an awareness of God. That to me was the outstanding thing, the presence, (coughs) the fear of God in 
the parish. The pastor of the church there in, um, uh, in, in on Lewis Island, there, Brother Mackay, he testified, you felt his presence and his power on Meadow and Moreland. Indeed, God was everywhere. You could not escape him. And one of the things that they were so aware of was the holiness of God, that fear gripped their hearts. It was a view and a vision of God that caused them to tremble and fear when they saw, when they experienced this presence of God, when God stepped down. And here's the second thing. It's, it's, it's a two-part. There's two parts to this. It's always there, two parts. Number, number one, a vision of God, of his holiness and his righteousness. That's exactly what the prophet Isaiah experienced. Holy, holy, holy. Now look at the second. Look at the second thing that, he, that, that they experienced. Let me read to you from Duncan Campbell. And the main outstanding features was this deep, deep conviction of sin. First of all, they saw the holiness of God. And when, when in that presence, they were also aware of how wretched they were. Their deep, deep conviction of sin. Look at the prophet Isaiah in verse number five. After he has this vision uh, there of the holiness of God, he's in the throne room of heaven and he sees the Lord in his in, in his glory and his might. And uh, and then he says, woe is me. Woe is me I, for I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell amidst, uh, in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. My friends, when you are properly under an awakening, you are going to be in fear and trembling of the holiness and the presence of God. And you'll be so aware of your sin, your wretchedness. When I was a missionary, I had a lady in our church who was having trouble with a landlord and you know, she had to move out of her of her property and paint the walls and restore things back there. And I helped, you know, we, we had some men in the church. We came and we painted the rooms there and stuff. And we put two coats of paint on there. And this man came with a flashlight and just holding it so close there, finding any kind of blemish in, in, in the paintwork and demanding for us to put on a third coat. You know, when you put things under such a, you know, an ex- extreme spotlight, you're going to find error and, and, and problems there. And, uh, and, but, you know, when God puts his searchlight on us, oh, it will reveal the crevices and the wickedness and the wretchedness of our hearts that we would have the same reaction that these people did. They would cry out to God for God to have mercy. And an awakening is when God gets his searchlight out and he reveals to us our wretchedness and we will tremble in the presence of God. My folks, we cry out for a revival and awakening, but it won't be a fun experience, but it is what we need. Yesterday, I started talking about the subject of an awakening revival. We hear of history of the great awakenings, the first and second great awakening. What is an awakening? What distinguishes an awakening revival from maybe other revivals that we hear about? 
because these awakening revivals was a movement that spread like a wildfire from parish to parish, community to community, church to church, family to family. It spread and would last for years. I mean, it would just be a a fire that would continue to burn within these communities. And uh, we would see bars shut down and prisons uh, and, and police pretty much uh, did, you know, shut down and, and crime would be unspoken of. And, and uh, the church house was filled instead of the, 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 the bars and, and um, uh, families were interested in righteousness and living for God and, and holiness. And, 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 and this wasn't, you know, short lived. It went on for, for many, many, many months and years. Uh, how do we get that kind of an awakening revival? Would it benefit us to understand what it is? What are some of the trademarks of a revival like that? So that when there is a revival that kind of breaks out, can we measure it to being really a Holy Ghost revival? You know, some claim that we've had a fourth great awakening in our country, but they were nothing. The the third and fourth awakenings were not like what we read of in the first and second great awakenings. Yes, they were certainly revivals, but I don't know if we could accurately call them an awakening. It's a term that is often used to define it. And what, what are they awakened to? We now live in a time where, you know, we, we have um, the woke movement of the left. And the whole idea behind it is that you need to be awakened and alert to the social injustices that are going, going on in our community. In other words, uh, we need to find the victims and the villains. And, you know, you need to be identified as a victim, if you are, you know, anything but white, and if you're white, then you're the villain. You got a systemic, uh, you know, racism in your skin, and you can't help yourself. You know, it's just your whiteness, and that's part of that woke movement of this victimhood, villain mentality. And basically, it's a part of Marxism. They're trying to find division lines um you know in the past when they had these uh revolutions these um uh revolts that brought about a new type of government you know they they found a division line well in europe it was on the gentry and uh and the poor and they found that division line and made it there well here in the west we have a middle class and so we don't really have those division lines economically like they did in Europe in the 18, 1900s. So they're looking for new division lines. And this is the division line of, um, uh, of, um, of a person's race. And, and so they're, they're beating that drum and trying to divide that wedge in our country there. Well, that's wokeism being awakened to, you know, the, the uh, to your systemic racism and so on there. Um, being awakened to something. Well, I'm speaking of a spiritual awakening, being awakened to 
the Holy Spirit's moving of God when God steps down in a revival. I read yesterday in Isaiah chapter 6 where the prophet, I believe that if you are going to be used of God in a mighty, mighty way, you've got to experience that kind of revival. We saw that in, we'll see that in many characters of the Bible. And, And there's going to be two ingredients each time, these two ingredients you're going to see. And for, uh, I want to go back to Isaiah chapter 57, Isaiah chapter 57, verse 14 and 15. Let me read the passage and then I'll lift my points out of this here in a moment. And, and shall say, cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way, take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. In other words, remove something that needs to be removed because God wants to do something. You got to get something out of the way first. Verse 15. And thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to get this, revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite ones. Yesterday, when we talked about uh, Isaiah, when he had his awakening, he saw the glory of God, the holiness of God. And this is one of the first steps. Um, Duncan Campbell spoke of this, of the Lewis Island Awakening, the revival that started in 1949. It lasted for three years, three years, and spread from the Hebrides Islands into Scotland, into the mainlands there, and the moving of God was there upon them. And he said, the first thing that we noticed, the first thing that was so, that stood out, he said, that it was the awareness of God. That, to me, he said, was the outstanding thing, the presence and the fear of God in the parish. When you have a proper vision of God, it will cause fear to come into your into your heart. That's part of the awakening. And the second part of the awakening is seeing the holiness of God. The second part is seeing the wretchedness of yourself. Uh, he said, and I'll quote, and the main outstanding feature was this deep, deep, conviction of sin is that not exactly what the prophet isaiah was talking about there in verse number five i'm woe woe is me i'm undone i'm a man of unclean lips i dwell amongst people of unclean lips he saw their sin saw the holiness of god glory holy 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 is the lord god he saw he saw that and the next thing he notices is his wretchedness this is that two-part that two-punch part of an awakening that, my friends, is so important. Now, go back to my, uh, my my verse that I want to draw some things there. In verse number 15, well, well, 14 is first. You need to get something out of the way. There's something that's blocking the way. And what it is, is us being filled with our self-righteousness and the idea that we're good and that we are all right. No, you got to get that. You got to cast that away. Prepare the way. Prepare you the way. Remove the stumbling block. And then verse 15 kind of follows the same pattern. Number one, talking about the holiness of God, seeing God. Uh, for, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place. We see and revere God in his high and holy place, the lofty one. Then the next ver- the next thing is he gives revival to the humble and revival to the contrite ones. 
when these people begin to accept their wretched, miserable, sinful state and see it and acknowledge it, that is what brings in humbleness. That is what brings in deep contrition. What is contrition? Contrition is the state of feeling remorseful and penitent. It's the state of remorse and penitence. What is remorse? Well, remorse is deep regret or guilt for a wrong that has been committed, for the for the sins that we commit. And not only just have we committed them, we've committed them often, and we practice them. And we can't hide that from God. He, We're now totally exposed before him. That's when he stands with his spotlight on us there. And we realize that we've been living with our self-righteousness. We've been, um, th- there's an expression in the, in the Bible in, in Proverbs chapter 20. Here it is, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 17. The bread of deceit is sweet bread, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. How can uh, uh, bread of deceit be sweet? Who you know? Who, who enjoys deceit? Being lied to? Not, I don't like it. But what it's talking about is self deception. Self deception leads us into in, into a false knowledge that hey, that's okay. This is you know that that tastes, tastes sweet. We 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 are fooling ourselves, and it's and it's sweet to us to believe that. But the truth is, is that it will leave us with a mouth filled with gravel. Verse six says, most, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. That's our problem. We're filled with our own self-righteousness that we uh, fail to admit the truth of our, of, of our true state. And, uh, and, and that's why it says, revive the spirit of the humble. One who admits and humbles themselves to the fact that, they, that, that, that they're not living righteously in a righteous manner that is pleasing God. They're living for self. They say they love God, but in truth, they're living in, in their own vanity, in, in their spiritual vanity. And they must, we must humble ourselves when those, when those people experience an awakening. It's not going to be a fun occasion. It's not going to be something. Now, the results will be wonderful. The, 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 the results will be exactly what we desire and hope for and want. But to go through that process is going to be a painful situation that there'll be confession of our sins before men. We'll confess the, 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 uh, um, the, the, the true matter of our life and matters in that humbling of ourselves will be a very painful thing to experience. But that's what happens when the moving of God, when God steps down, his searchlight hits us so hard and we fall under conviction that we cry out to God for mercy. And that leads us to the next part, the revival to revive the heart of the contrite ones. All will be broken. What is a, a contrition? The state of feeling remorseful. What is remorse? Deep regret for our guilt, for the wrongs that we've committed. What does it mean to be penitent, to be sorrowful? and regretful for having done the wrong. That, my friends, is the act of repentance. As I said, revival only comes through the doorway of repentance. 
I believe we have made the mistake of thinking that God is it, that, that we're the ones in the waiting room waiting on God to bring revival. The fact is God is waiting on us. He's given us a roadmap. Second Chronicles chapter seven, four, verse 14 of my people, which are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then God gets to do his three things and he's waiting on us. And again, I want to close with what Ravenhill, Lemon Ravenhill said, the reason why we don't have revival is that we're content to live without it. Oh, may God have mercy on us. God forgive us for us being filled with our own self-righteousness, refusing to humble ourselves, refusing to pray for God to bring, to step down. We don't want to go through that, but oh, how we need it. And oh, how much we need it. Our nation will be healed. Why will we let God wait? I hope this helps you understand what is necessary to return our nation to God. Come back next week for another biblical lesson. You have been listening to Solid Foundation Ministries from Lenore, North Carolina. Dr. Kuvert has 35 years in the ministry as a former missionary and pastor. He is available for revivals and various conferences on missions, Bible, Baptist heritage, and the family. To find out more, go to our website, solidfoundationministries.com, or call 828-244-6505. Remember, the Christian life is not about you. It's about God receiving the glory.